0: but so we don't say yesterday never use the word yesterday okay. is that because is that due to the beatles Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and also the aussie at gallipoli he said tell oh, me soldier did you come here today he said no i came here yesterday oh, okay. to die no i came here yesterday oh You guess <laughs> you have to be there <laughs> don't <laughs>
1: to another sunday roast we have two wonderful guests back with us once again uh we have a headless <laughs> pirate and we seem to have michael fabricant let's start with graham graham tell tell us a little Arr. bit about yourself and,
0: uh... I, I be i be the ship's computer <laughs> my pirate ship's computer uh holly no no i'm, I'm hello i'm i'm graham hughes from labor social the a new channel that we launched about six months ago uh basically two reasons. One, to get Labour into power, but I don't think need much help at the moment. And secondly, once they are in power, to be in a position to be independent, uh, but be able to have those conversations with people in the Labour Party, to try and keep them on the straight and narrow and do the things that we want them to do. Yes, like PR and
2: UBI and e- the EU.
1: Very good. Uh, we don't have Michael Fabricant, we have somebody else. Adrian, can you tell us a bit about yourself?
2: Sure, yes. Hello, Max. Hello, Alex. I'm Aid Thompson. Uh, you might have seen me on Twitter, TikTok. I host the Ada Thompson and Other Disappointments podcast. Uh, and I also do the Punk Politics videos over on YouTube. Uh, and occasionally, you may have seen me guesting on Graham's Labour Social late on a Friday night. Usually half cut, if I'm honest, because yeah. I've done my my pod just beforehand. I've had a couple of beers on that. Then I turn up on Labour Social. They're all having intelligent conversations and then I barge in. No, we're not. Talking <laughs> abject nonsense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, oh, it's wonderful. good to be back.
1: Great to have you again, Alex, my wonderful co-host. Can you tell us a bit about yourself for anyone who's?
3: Hi, I'm show? Political X. I'm a YouTuber, a journalist, and historian, and all-round pirateer. Max, my lovely co-host.
1: My name is Max. I run the Rumpusphere channel, where I talk about uh, British politics and Brexit in particular. Um, Alex, what's our first topic for today? Let's go Labour as we've got, got, got
0: Labour's here. Labour <laughs> Bloody wonderfully. I just saw a poll and it, voting intentions. 49% for Labour, 21% for the Tories. Wonderful. Um, and also, there was a very interesting uh, survey that came out at the end of last year saying that only 2% of 18 to 24-year-olds intend on voting Tory in the next election. Nah. Uh, and, and that's been updated now to 1%. It's literally 1%. <laughs> Of the pe- uh, I mean three percent of the population think that the earth is flat so <laughs> I mean that's, that's just phenomenal just for context of how many loonies there are out there so the Tories have three times less than that
2: I don't understand how that can be true though Graham because the Tories have done so so much for the youth <laughs> of today haven't they I mean uh, no <laughs> <laughs> absolutely the opposite of that.
0: But yeah, I mean, at the moment, sort of, I, I my background in all this politics stuff was as an anti- Brexit campaigner, organising events and marches, and a founder of the Three Books in the P- podcast and stuff like that. And um, you know, I, I I want Labour to be more pro-EU, but I've had conversations with Labour MPs, and I kind of get it. They just need to get over the line. They need to get into power, and then they can start moving us back towards the EU in a meaningful way. And it's going to be a process. You know, it's not just that we want this, and, you know, obviously it's the most sensible thing, and it's it's inevitable that we will rejoin one day, but it's it's that the whole country, especially the older generation, not being ageist, but not everyone in the old generation, but a lot of them, have been absolutely brainwashed by 30, 40 years of tabloid hysteria, that mm. the the EU are coming to take your uh, fendi bananas and they, they, they won't let you have your passport to the right color and they're going to make all the condoms really small and you won't be able to fit them on your knob and it's just like seriously this is this is okay right and and so now we've got to have a process of, of sort of deprogramming people and that's not going to happen until we get control of the media in terms of the tabloid newspapers which just yep. print whatever the hell they like. And no one stops them because we didn't have a Levison 2 inquiry.
2: It's a really important point. This is one of the things that sort of brought me and Graham together, really, is we, we share this idea that it all starts with getting Labour into power. Um, I mean, I would like to see the UK rejoin the EU for mo- mostly for geopolitical security reasons, really. Like if we look at a lot of the instability in the world, I feel like being cut adrift from a trade bloc like the EU exposes us to a huge amount of risk of being pushed around or forced into geopolitical strategies that we wouldn't otherwise agree to adhere to. Um, But also like for the more sort of fluffy liberal, like freedom of movement elements to it as well. But all of that stuff, like you, you can't talk about sort of realigning with the EU until you talk about getting Labour into power. And you can't talk about realigning the EU until you can market it in a way that's positive to the electorate. Um, and that can't happen until you get press regulation, and that just won't happen without Labour getting into power. Yeah. So I suppose that's where we we sort of warm to each other, Gray. Yeah. That and Avril Lavigne. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's been roasting me like the last last twenty four hours. We've been really picking at each other in this WhatsApp chat group about music taste. And uh, Maroon Five, right? Uh, yeah. I said I made a <laughs> mistake of saying Maroon Five's debut album had hits. <laughs> Man, like, there's some good songs on there and did I, I haven't heard the end of it honestly no, and you never will <laughs> mm. <laughs> we'll be in the nursing home together
0: with blankets over our knees and then Maroon 5 will come over the radio and I'll be like oh hey it's your favourite <laughs>
2: like, like, I'm, <laughs> I'm not getting into this again great
0: we'll um, be like the old gits on Harry Enfield
2: <laughs> yeah this is the political content people have come with
3: clearly, <laughs> much, yeah. this is it this is exactly it Do you think? Do you think because it's one percent does that? I mean, it's interesting. Do you think it is flat earthers that are supporting the Tory party? (laughs) No, not even
0: flat earthers are that stupid. No, but this is between (laughs) this is eighteen to twenty four year olds, isn't it? So basically, the the Conservative Party this is an existential crisis for the Tory Party because younger people are not voting for them, and also Generation Zers and uh, Millennials are becoming more left wing as they get older because they've got nothing to conserve they don't own their own homes anymore people can't get on housing ladder people aren't having children because they're like well i can't afford them
2: yep yeah and 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 just sort of join join the dots on that a little bit yeah like the, the stats traditionally would be that people would start to turn conservative when they get to 40 when they've bought a house when they've got kids and they don't want to rock the boat or get too radical and as Graham's alluding to there, that age that people achieve that first home or can afford to have kids, that is getting later and later and later. So, yeah, what we're seeing is a sort of an expansion of that liberal mindset from young people, like 18, 19 year olds, right up to sort of 45 year olds, 47 yeah. year olds who still can't buy a house now. And they're like, well, like what? <laughs> what have you guys done for me? Like you've made childcare the most expensive in Europe. We can't get on the ladder. We've got no security. Why would I? Got Most no savings? You serve this. None?
0: What One of the interesting articles I read recently was about how um, people in my generation aren't having midlife crises. Oh, because or their life so far, since they've reached adulthood in around 2001, September the 11th, it's just been a nonstop cavalcade of crises. I just, and so no one's had the chance to get bored enough to go and have an affair <laughs> and buy a Ferrari or whatever you do in your midlife crisis. So yeah, midlife crises are on the way out, along with pubic <laughs> lice. <laughs> Two things that just don't exist in the 21st century And yet knew? Ricketts, are t- Ricketts are making a comeback Ricketts are making a comeback Ricketts are making a comeback Scurvy Scurvy. Laugh.
1: Seems, You know, we've got three Scurvy pirates
0: on the channel also... Scurvy oh, yeah. And there's Squafula Scurvy
3: yeah. is making a comeback It is Scurvy yeah. is making a comeback These are all yeah. things associated with pirateering And, and, and that's, why, you... that's why we were called Limeys
2: Could you Go lay on. the blame for the reintroduction of Scurvy at the feet of Brexit in the form that like fruit and veg has just got shitter and shitter yeah. and it's out of stock. People, oh my so god, it like, goes oh, off just... so quick. Yeah,
0: like, eat was, all was, those oh, strawberries turns... on the day that you get them or they're gone. Yeah. Just turn to mush.
1: But there was a thing also that Brexiteers were complaining that the EU was was increasing the fruit content in jam. <gasps> because they were reducing <gasps> the sugar content, obviously. So and they were complaining, although it's going it's uh we, we want our sugar. We don't want fruit in our jam. But there was yeah. also there was another thing about that. But no, I want to go back to um, um, what you were saying about the about the Tories. I don't know if you've Labor? seen many of these articles, oh. um, well, the Labour and the Tories, but back to but just about uh, articles from uh, Tory from the Tory graph. From the Telegraph, where you'd have some young person, young Tory, who would say, "Well, I, I was able to get on the property ladder. Um, I was, <laughs> small I, I load. cut, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like at the beginning of the article, it's like I cut back on espressos and I cut back on uh, was it uh, avocado toast and I cut my neck flakes and all of this, and then you get to the towards the end of the article and it says, And I was, I was just helped out a bit by my dad who gave me like fifty grand to.'" To, to put down <laughs> on the
2: house. Quite like, often, it's hmm. not even 50 grand. Quite often, it's substantially more than that that gets them on there. Yeah, and yeah. it's, yeah, you're right, like every time. So first, there's two things about that. The first thing is that the exception doesn't disprove the rule. What they like to do is they like to cherry pick people who have worked every day, seven days a week, two or three jobs. And they're like, well, I I think if you want something, you've got to work for it. And it's called sacrifice. And I did it. I worked every single day and I missed all of my friends' birthdays. I didn't even, I didn't spend a penny on my own daughter's birthday. And I saved up. I didn't go out. I didn't have a holiday. I didn't do anything for 12 years. And finally, I bought a studio flat in Hackney. So you should be able to do, I'm like, do you think that's fucking normal? (laughs) Is, yeah. that, thing. is that you're traumatized? Like, that's a horrible experience to be effectively imprisoned for 12 years to get a tiny studio flat. So, there's that. The exception doesn't prove the rule, uh, disprove the rule. The second thing is, yeah, it evidently or, or almost uh, always, it tends to be that it starts off with a sort of a nice, cushy, inspiring story. And then, yeah, you're right. Like, paragraph three, paragraph four, it's like, oh, yeah. And then my dad let me have a job on the board of his, <laughs> of his like centuries old company. And then I got a bonus and I just bought the thing outright. Go me. I'm, I'm ready for a Ted talk about inspiration now.
3: <laughs> well, a lot of them don't. I've had this discussion before. A lot of them don't appreciate luck. A lot of them end yeah. up getting that job because just because, and it's not always There's hard work as well with it. But a lot of the time they don't think they realize that they were just in the right place at the right time. They met the right people and they had the right attributes to, connect with those people but it was just pure there was no controlled scenario where they met and i'm not talking Mm. about job interviews i mean you can network in so many different ways well
0: yeah but you know what i'm gonna say don't you alex go on tell me private schools (laughs) best best social network in the country if you want to be a millionaire or you've already born a millionaire and you want to keep that money
3: you see i think I, i think it's more i don't think it's necessarily the networking from the private schools i think it's the fact that you're able to afford to go there and you have that money And it's exactly what we've just said where it's a case of you've been you're you're i mean what are we talking the the one i went to i think is something crazy now like i think it's like 12 or ten thousand a term so 30k and you're going Mm. that's nuts but you're also going our entire tax system is totally created to protect the rich i mean look at the, the bankers bonuses yeah, yep. and so I, I, I don't necessarily think it is the networking from private schools. I mean, I, you know, I, I had mates that went to Oxford, I went to Brooks, which is just down the road, and you could see there was actually quite a mix at Oxford Uni. And you could also see that at Oxford, there was it's over one in, three mix, you in have, you Oxford. Could, you, you could go, you could go, you could go in two ways you could go the social route, which is what I think a lot of the uh, politicians have done. They didn't really go for the academic side of things. They went there to connect and meet people and network and get themselves inside the Tory party, which, you know, like Boris Johnson was president of the Oxford Union. I think there was, a, I think Jacob Rees-Mogg was well known at the time. Tim Wilson, no, Tim, yeah, Professor Tim knew Jacob Rees-Mogg. And you got the impression that everyone knew who he was as soon as he turned up because he'd made so much money on the stock market and had gone into the papers and, again, had networked. Which was just made easier because you've got cash. So I don't mm. know if it is necessarily just because you're at a private school. I think it's because you've got the wealth to go to the private school that allows you to to get yeah. a network. But but also if you're and rich, then you're, pushing you're, you're... yourself in the right direction. Sorry, Max. Yeah.
1: No, but also if you're if you're rich, you're able to you're able to go to the expensive uh, restaurants or go to the the ex- exclusive nightclubs. So you, you're able to show that you have what it takes to to get up the ladder. And you know a lot of it is perception. I think. It's not yes. actually, you know, merit.
3: Accent as well. Where were you born? Old money.
0: That's always an interesting mm. term. That
1: yeah. sort of yeah. like yeah.
0: snootiness of old you versus don't... new money. I just said that you don't get far in life having a Scouse accent. Trust me. No. <laughs> not in no. this country anyway. Other countries don't well, give a shit. But this country, I well, mean, it's like, oh, you're one of them. All the handbags come off the table. All the wallets <laughs> go back in the pockets. Has
3: that actually happened? Mobile ha- phones
0: come on. Have you yeah. Have you actually noticed? I've sat down like... at a table and they have heard my accent and all the mobile phones have gone in the pockets. Wow. Oh. Did you call them out? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <That>. <laughs> and I made them feel really embarrassed. They were like, no, Is no, no. Not... It's just like we didn't want to spill any beam on our phones.
2: Like, <laughs> could, it, could that not be like a sort of, like, are you projecting a feeling that they are judging you? And could it not be that they listen, like, you said something, and then they were like, actually, we want to listen to this guy. Let's put our phones away, you know? Could it no. be that? <laughs> Am I being I too like generous? To no, right. <laughs> you're being far too generous. But no, no, I, I... I... What I would say is
0: that um, one of the problems that we have with the private school system is that it means that you have an entire cohort of people who are all high achievers. Well, not all high achievers, but they, they dominate the, the the sort of highest paid jobs, the most prolific jobs in the country, high profile jobs, I should say, and they don't meet anyone else. And this is your problem with people like Vishi Sunak. Now, 73, what was it? No, I think it was 90%, 90% of those polled in, on, in YouGov this week Thought that uh, that Rishi Sunak was not in touch with common people, or ordinary people, ordinary people, and just to give you some example, like uh, sort of uh, phrasing on that, uh, that the when when the same thing was asked about Prince Charles a couple of years ago, only 27% thought he was out of touch. So three <laughs> times more people think that Rishi Sunak is out of touch with common people. And when he's like sitting there on his 700 million pound fortune and he's saying, well, you know, I've got friends who are aristocrats and I have friends who are upper class and I have I have, uh, I have uh, working class friends. <laughs> no, 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 I don't have working class friends. And I always feel like mixing, especially when you're young, mixing children is really important. And I'm really against religious schools that separate children, you know, Northern Ireland, they separate children to Protestants and Catholics at the age of three. Brilliant. What a great plan. I'm sure that'll turn out well in the future. <laughs> and then you've got schools in the UK where basically if you've got money, you go to one school. If you don't, you go to another. And never the twain shall meet. And do you know what would really help in our local mm. comp down the road here? A millionaire on the school board, governors or in the PTA. <laughs>
3: it would really help. <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of those it, so i spent a bit of time coaching in the states coaching soccer football in the states and it was really noticeable that the like private schools didn't really exist out where i was coaching but it was really noticeable when you got because you got to know the how the system works over there so you would have your teacher's job you'd then be paid extra money to coach the soccer team which doesn't happen in the uk and on top of that The facilities that were given over to each of the teams was gigantic so like every single team had its own stadium or at least a set of bleachers that you could sit on and watch the games friday night was the entire community coming together to watch those games but the interesting thing was that there were millionaires there who were hanging out with some of the poorest kids at the school and they just there was no there was no sort of class thing but the other thing the parents, the rich millionaire parents were donating. So one of the kids, yes, his dad was big business, one of the biggest businesses in the town. And he donated a set of speakers and he gave something every year towards the soccer team. Now, he could have done it towards anything. And you sort of do think, maybe if that money wasn't funneled into the private schools, but was just then they were on the PTA. Yeah, yeah. We have those. I've never this, been fully aware if we have PTAs we, in schools.
0: We do have PTAs, yes. And we do have school governors. But yeah, I, I think it would really help. Uh, I, I think you're right. Like, and America has a lot more social mobility. I mean, it's not all social mobility. Mm. Don't forget, the Beastie Boys went to private school. But, um, you know, the, their social mobility is a lot better than what we have in the UK at the moment.
2: Which is weird, isn't it? Because like, you would think, when I think of America, I think of it as being a more conservative, right-leaning, if not right-wing, capitalist society i don't necessarily think of like if you said is america more socialist than the uk i would say no (laughs) yeah but with things like that it makes you think oh okay so they have got good ideas about some things it's weird that socialism is such a dirty word over there when they do have um an absence or it sounds like they have quite a colossal absence of private schools but also they have things like like the school bus yeah, you I was going to say the school buses in America are brilliant. It's like roads pick you are just chock a block around here, like with the, yeah. the morning traffic. Now it's half term. There's no one on the roads. I can drive around freely. It's amazing. I'm like, what would it like? Isn't this something that we should all be sort of paying for out of tax money and we all benefit yep. from it? Or, yeah. So no one has to do wow. the school one. They'll get picked up by a yellow bus. I, I'll, I'll, I'll,
3: I'm, g- I'm going to bring Max in just quickly, but I'll go back to the American thing. One of the things. So there's two things. There's one they've got a similar problem with that we have in the fact that. Al Gore, Hillary Clinton both got more votes than Bush and Trump, which means in theory, they should have really won. But mm. because of the system being in place as it is, it didn't allow for that, which is yeah. nuts. Um, but the 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 other thing is, I found that actually they are quite socialist. And they don't really realize. So yeah. like, for example, you've got their entire sports systems that are set up, which are like if you're the worst team, you get the best player the next year. Like hell would that be allowed to happen over here? Like that's not going to happen. That's just not going to happen. But that's how like the Bulls ended up getting Jordan and Scottie Pippen was because they had a bad season and suddenly they could trade in the best players. And the ethos behind that is that it makes it fair. If you talk to Americans, like, oh yeah, that makes it fair. That's why we do it. And you're like, but that's not capitalism. That's really it, socialist. Yeah, but the, Max, how how does Mrs. like Mrs. Max is a teacher. How does she find Italy, and how do you find Italy for social mobility and mixing?
1: There isn't. I haven't found a class system here. So you you either have money or you don't. That there's where where I live in the north of Italy. They, it used to be a very poor area. And um, it became very industrialized in the 1970s and 80s. And there was a lot of new money. So a lot of farmers, for example, sold their land and it was industrialized and they made a lot of money out of that. Um, there's been a, a massive boost in the in wine industry as well in the, in the late 1990s and 2000s with the, the rise of Prosecco. So... But there isn't a class system. You can go into a bar or a restaurant, and there'd be people who are working class, like quote unquote working class. And you'd have no nobility there. You'd have very rich people. You have very poor people all together. And there, there, there isn't this sort of social mobility um, issue. Um, You either have money Mm -hmm. or you don't. Um, the The only the only difference probably would be Italy seems to be very close to to immigrants. So. Not like in the UK, maybe like in London, where, you know, if you have skills, you go to London. I don't know about the rest of England and the rest of the UK, sorry. But if you go to London and you have the skills, you can do whatever job you want. In Italy, it seems to be very much closed off, um, especially in this area. It's it, where the the main parties who've been in power over the last number of years are very far right, very right wing, I should say, um, and anti-immigrant parties. So I think this sort of filters down into the the feeling of, of like business people won't hire foreigners. They'd be more likely to hire Italians because they mm, we don't like foreigners or we don't believe like for example there's a lot of people who are very highly skilled people who come from Romania or Albania and they're they're already categorized as oh well your your job is to do cleaning or your job is to um, to do this type of work and it's very mm-hmm. difficult for them to to. To move up in society because they're they're already in a sense held down um those are those are cultural problems but when it comes to education um it's it's a bit of a disaster here because we we keep having i don't know how it is in the uk but it's very difficult for teachers to to stay in the same school for more than a year so it's constantly changing so they have a, a type of contract which lasts about six months and then or eight months and then they have to apply for a new contract after the summer. I think this is a way to avoid the the state having to pay um, teachers when they're off work. It's very difficult to get a full-time contract as a teacher. The vast majority... There are teachers who have been working for 40 years who are still on temporary contracts. At the end of the the summer, they're they're laid off. They claim uh, welfare. They claim benefits. Sorry, they claim unemployment. And then they reapply in September. They'll get a job. It's just that the the system is designed this way it's a disaster because you have you you have students who are seeing the same you know every year a different teacher so of course there's a different approach to mathematics or english or whatever um and then the teachers aren't happy either because they don't have stable employment
2: are the the teachers able to get a mortgage and have stability
1: yeah because the the cost of living here is much lower than uh, right in in britain and ireland in ireland it's i've been looking at what's happening in ireland and it's gone crazy Dublin in particular. I think Dublin is if is not is the most expensive if not one of the most expensive cities in in Europe it's insane, in the world it? maybe
2: <laughs> because we we so my mum's from Belfast originally <clears throat> and uh at the height of Brexit uh and everything getting incredibly scary here we were like look maybe if ever there was a time to start exploring our ancestry and getting Irish passports maybe maybe now is that moment so me and my brother went through all the rigmarole got Irish passports and I was saying to my partner, I was like, if things do get bad here, how would you feel about just upping sticks and moving to Ireland? I was like, I would be bang up for Dublin because there was a lot of talk around that time about the financial sector and a lot of the big blue chips moving over to Dublin because, you know, similar time zone and close to investment in Europe. And we looked at properties over there and the cost of living and we were like, fucking hell. And like, this is the the challenge i suppose a lot of people have at the moment is like look interest rates are sky high here inflation is coming down very very slowly but it's still high uh the just the general cost of food and everything has got a lot of people thinking we should upsticks you know let's let's ride the brain drain over to a foreign country and raise our kids there that somewhere a bit more st- stable a bit more affordable is a brighter future for the the next generation and you start looking around at other countries you look at australia you look at ireland you look and it's like where, where is there to go? Why is everywhere <laughs> so messed up? You know.
0: Well, it, it used to be a bit better because you used to be able to go. With, well, you still can, if you've got an Irish passport. But we, you know, us solo British passport holders, we used to be able to go and live and work anywhere in the EU, yeah. um, which we can't anymore. So it, it's Ireland or nowhere. But we'll say this about Ireland: um, the economy has doubled since 2007. The UK economy hasn't; it's just stagnated. It was three, it's around three trillion dollars. GDP. Isn't it shrunk,
3: in fact? Because compared to Germany, isn't well, there- it has That's because probably... there's
0: more people. So, so basically, it was three trillion in 2007. Mm. It was three trillion last year. So, yeah. it hasn't grown Germany's in 15 4 years. Uh, Germany's yeah, 4 trillion, Germany's Germany's over four trillion. Uh, we were on course to overtake Germany actually until we Brexited. Um, but what it means is, is per capita GDP has gone down from about fifty thousand dollars per person in the UK to uh, forty five thousand. And in mm. Ireland, in the same period, their GDP per capita has gone from around forty-five thousand to over a hundred thousand dollars. Mm. No, it must be,
1: but you must counter in for the American companies there. But if you strip yes. out, yeah, if you strip out the GDP growth of the of the U.S. companies like Facebook, Google, whatever, yeah. it's still it's still above the EU average. So yeah, it's, yeah, it's still the, doing
0: the Irish way. economy is doing really well. So you know you think about it people are getting paid more there the wages should be going up in line with you know the costs of everything and that makes it a much more you know attractive place to live <laughs> for me mm. or anyone I think than the UK at the moment where we, we've got an economy that hasn't grown like in the first 20 30 30 30 uh years of my life yeah 30 years of my life the economy just grew every year 28 years it grew mm. every in year. the UK yeah and then it just stopped on my 28th birthday it just stopped. And of course and, it's not. I'm now 44 like, and it hasn't grown Like metabolism.
1: Did you,
3: did you, did, were you quite surprised then? I guess there's a question for everyone. But was everyone quite surprised to hear Kemi claiming that financial investment, direct investment, had actually continued to grow in the UK? And that AI yeah. companies are sort of lauding that the UK could be quite good or promising for basically deregulating from what I can tell. Because I don't think there is an actual
2: plan other than mm. to deregulate AI. So it's the the first thing to mention is that although the uk can have a role somewhere in artificial intelligence and machine learning and we do have an awful lot of software engineers which is great and there is a lot of investment coming in if you look at it wholesale if you pan out and look at like what that drop in the ocean actually is versus the gdp and what like the gdp after you've looked at what the sovereign debt is like it's like you can you can wave a flag and celebrate the investment that's coming into the AI world if you want, but it doesn't it doesn't change fundamentally the sluggish growth that we've got and this darkening cloud of debt to GDP that nobody is talking about, by the way. We're all talking about, you know, HS2 is cancelled, and we're talking about, you know, rightfully what's going on in Gaza, um, and and every other news story that's bubbled up in the last week. Nobody is is shining a light on how. Terrifying, this debt situation is, and yeah. how it will continue to reverberate into the Labour administration. But isn't, it
3: only, isn't it
2: only 100% aid? 100% it's... of GDP? 101%, it was last yeah. time I checked it, which the... uh, for, for any sort of layman watching or listening, uh effectively means for every pound that's being generated in the UK economy, every pound, over every pound, is accounted for by sovereign debt. So, if you cast your mind back to the 2007, was it 2007 or was it? Yeah, i my wrong here. Yeah. Sovereign debt crisis in Greece and, and throughout the Eurozone, uh, those economies were around, I think it was about 130%. Mm-hmm. So, we're not like miles away, like, we're knocking on the door of like IMF bailout kind of territory. I don't know if it will get that bad, but I don't see any feasible it will. way for us to swim arra- away the, from the episode.
0: I, I think it's going to go to a bailout again like we did in the 70s where we took the biggest bailout that the IMF has ever given out to a country. But I don't uh, see
1: the, the IMF bailing out the UK wouldn't be possible. It's too big of an economy.
2: So what happens then, Max?
1: See, the thing is, it's so- <laughs> I, I'm not an expert, but this is sovereign debt, so it's not foreign debt. It's not some- So you could inflate yeah. the currency. You could just pump more money. Print yeah. more money, sorry, and you could solve it that way. Um, but then you'd have mass, you'd have inflation that would be making, you know, even <laughs> Rishi Sunak uh, think about cutting back on some things.
2: Um,
1: but this is, uh, I think go on, this,
2: sorry. this is I was just going to say this is why people are so terrified about it is because. So, yes, you could go through another sort of five or 10 year program of quantitative easing and just print like, just magic money into the economy. But the fear then is that people will take their sterling, at, they'll just cash out and the yep. value of sterling will just nosedive. Yeah. And if it goes like it has like after the Brexit vote, it tanked like it would be worse than that. And if that happens and imports and exports suddenly just explode in cost and you and I can't afford to buy in food, petrol, everything just gets out like Potentially, then you're looking at really serious civil unrest. Yeah. Um, and no, like I say, no one's no one's and, talking about you No, know,
0: I, I, I don't have a problem with debt as an idea for a country because I just look at it the same way that you do as your mortgage for your house. As long as you can service that debt, as long as you can make the repayments, what's the problem? I'd rather have investment coming in for long-term projects, mm. especially civil engineering projects, infrastructure projects, get them built now and pay them off later. I have no problem with that. My problem is that we... Well, first of all, we had George Osborne as our chancellor. He got rid of our AAA credit rating around the world with Moody's and Standard and Poor and stuff like that. And then Brexit came along and and knackered it even more. And I think we're on like AA three now. Well, on like one of the lowest grades I that AA. I, is AA. Is I it think, AA now?
3: I think it's AA. I was checking the other day. I was being a nerd.
0: So that just means that any foreign debt that we you know accrue, we 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 have to pay a higher rate of interest on it yep. than we would have if you we were AAA. Yep, um, because our credit rating, if you want to look at it that way, is not as high. And I know things are different when you're talking about multi—you know—when cu- cu- you're talking about countries rather than individuals or companies. But I mean, the principles are the same. And I think A makes a good point. It's like it is a huge worry. And to go to circle back to Labour, one of the things that there was been you know said to me um, by Labour politicians is. When I've talked to them about PR, for instance, or the EU, they say it's not what people are talking about on the doorstep. They're talking about the cost of living. That is what everyone's freaking out about right now. They're like, I can't afford to do X, can't, can't afford to go on holiday, can't afford to get a house, can't afford to have kids. And but, then, I, and but then but then that
3: comes back to a bigger structural problem. So I pointed out there's an issue with tax. You pointed out there's an issue with education. I think we've yeah. all recognised there's a problem with the the government system. We could actually... like. We don't have a, a a formalized constitution. We we could have. I mean, they say they don't talk about it. So what? Like if you're if you're gonna go on that populist route, I think I think you know we can see that there's failings. Then it's just a short term solution to a long term set of problems. And and just listening to what people say on the doorstep. I mean, it's great, and you should, but it doesn't mean they know absolutely everything and solutions to those problems. So yeah. we had a show. What uh, we had a show with Supertan a couple of weeks back. She didn't. She'd never heard of three D printing for homes. That's the solution to our housing crisis, or well, a, what part of a solution to it? But how many people are on the doorstep are going to know that? When you know you got someone like Supertan who is embedded within the political system who hasn't heard of it. We could go and talk about. Well, I mean, that's not going to
0: change the cost of the land. It's what you, no, that's what you pay not, for in this but country. That, but then,
3: but then that's it's that, not the bricks and can, mortar. Yeah, but then that's matter. that's where the that's where the problem is. So. According to the papers this week, I think it's 66 MPs in the Conservative Party alone are landlords. And they're going, you've tried, uh, they've had to kick it into the long grass again. So Michael Gove wants reform.
0: You're talking about what? Section 21 evictions. Yeah, no false evictions.
3: Uh, yeah, I think that's it. But I think there's a bigger piece of legislation that they're trying to get through under Gove. So I know part of that legislation is to deal with um, freeholders who, right. who, I mean, I, I think it's a feudal system. And again, it then goes back into the structural thing, which again leads back into what we were saying. It's, it's almost like a spider web of problems. And the only way to deal with it is to deal with it on a bigger picture scale and just completely overhaul the system. But, and you can do that. And there's money available. Um, I ran some numbers the other day. I was listening to Bernie Sanders talk about a way of raising tax in the States. And one of the things he said was, if we put a, in the States, put a 1% tax on stock derivatives Mm. and trades he said we'd raise hundreds of billions so i tried Mm. to run the numbers the other day to just put a one percent tax on that i reckon we could raise about 180 billion on a one percent tax on stock derivatives and you'd only have to do that for a couple of years to clear out some of the debt but no one's talking about that and who the hell is going to say Mm. that on the on the doorstep you're going to have to find someone who's like a stock trader or a banker
0: yeah yeah, but isn't that like we haven't got any money we want more money being spent more money in the system more investment, more money coming to people in in terms of benefits and also infrastructure mm. and the person on the doorstep says okay yeah that's we'll make that number one and and what you're saying there could be part of that yeah. what i'm saying is this is that i sort of would like to see like i touched on before pr ubi and uh rejoining the eu mm. i don't think that's going to be um I, I i can't see how labor could push that on this election i think this election just needs to be a referendum on the tories get them out and then mm. the talk that labor have got five years and this is one of the reasons why i set up labor social is we'll have five years to talk to labor and point these things out and have conversations alex with you you know chatting to you know anne-marie Tirellian or talking to rachel reeves or something and, and saying have you thought about doing stock derivatives or whatever uh, putting the one percent tax on it so th- that that free flow of ideas is very much at the core of our values at Labour Social, and it's the reason why I set it up. And also the reason why a lot of the people who come on the, the, the channel aren't necessarily Labour members. Mm. <laughs> they might not even like Keir Starmer that much. I'm not I'm not a massive Keir Starmer fan myself, you know what I mean? But that, that's just me. I, I I don't hero worship. I don't like people who get hero worshipped. It puts me off them. Mm. Yeah, can that's we, can we, can is... I'm
2: the only person who doesn't like David Attenborough. Piss off. The, the only... No, I'm joking. I'm joking. I love you, David. The, the older you get, the more you realise you shouldn't put all of your stock into, like, one individual person, because they... Because they'll always let you down, oh, mate. Always. Like, oh, that's... I, I, I say this as a former Michael Jackson fan. He was, like, my favourite. A <laughs> uh, former Louis C.K. fan. He was my favourite. Oh, no. Kurt Cobain was my favourite. This Paul little Thomas. I've never had a hero that hasn't let me down. Apart from you, Grey. Oh, thank you. Oh. Yes. Yes. <laughs> You just uh, wait. Watch this space. <laughs> yeah, I do think. So I, I do think if God. I could just touch on the um the sort of transactions tax, like there's always this pushback from the right to say, look, if you taxed transactions in that way, it would uh, put off business, it would put off investment, they would run off to Frankfurt or Paris or wherever. And I'm like, it doesn't actually have to be as quote unquote sort of you know lefty or um mm. or frightening as a, a transactions tax. Like you could work with the private sector and just say, look. Here's the thing. We need to bring in about one hundred and eighty billion into the exchequer to be able to get this economy back under control. Mm. However, we understand that you don't just want to be taxed. So we will give like if there's a way that we can uh, sideline 30 billion of your 50 billion in profits into assets and buy up land and you invest in the social housing, you can have, like, it's a 50-year deal or something like that, where you have the underlying asset, that's yours, but it is used by successive governments to house people who otherwise would never get on the ladder or wouldn't have a roof over their head. There's there's strategies and tactics that you could use to make this work, but it's just getting it over the line in a sort of snappy three-word slogan Hmm. for the election uh, that that resonates with people on that doorstep. I
0: think the complicated stuff will come after the election of like how they're actually going to do it. And they're going to say stuff like grow the economy, which is one of the one of the uh, pledges that Rishi Sunak made this week. I made a video this week they, they put out a one year anniversary, which is the one year anniversary of Rishi Sunak being prime minister. And oh. they put out a video. Don't clap. Uh, they put out a video, like a, a 45 second video with all these words flashing up of all the things that they had managed to do. Uh, in the last year and there were 43 individual things in the 45 seconds that flashed up on the screen and i spent an entire day going through each and every one of them and exposing them as a lie and i ended up making this 15 minute video it's this whole thing of like the the you know a liar's got around the world before the truth has got his boots on and and it was kind of painful but one of the things that was in there was Vichy sunak's five pledges Mm. And he's done none of them. He hasn't grown mm. the economy. He has to stop the boats. He hasn't halved inflation. He hasn't got cut waiting lists. Waiting lists have gone up. they are now oh. over eight million people are waiting for operations.
2: Some of them yeah. over a year. What's Could- the uh, what's the gaslight going to be on these? Like I did okay. I said I was going to stop the boats, and I-, I didn't really, but I did. Temporarily for like five hours, like it's gonna, gonna be something like that. They'll but it would be like, you know, of... b-
1: boats don't stop immediately. Have you never seen a boat? It slows down and then eventually <laughs> oh. it <begins> to a stop. <laughs> Stop! the
2: Stop the Stop the So there you it's go. Like
1: it's like five years. You know, like a ta- yeah. an oil tanker. You can't stop that in in mid water. So maybe no. that's their approach. Speaking, Speaking as a train he stopped. Train. <laughs> he, he stopped
2: he one He did train. stop the train.
0: Yeah, he stopped the train. Um, which you know, I, as a northerner, I'm I'm absolutely furious about that they went this far with it, thinking that would be a great idea, instead of investing in. The you know getting because if, if we talk about HS2 for a second, they won't bang on about this too much. But mm. essentially, it's not about the speed; it's about capacity. I'll, at the moment, we've got two main lines going north: at like the East Coast Main Line, the West Coast Main Line. Everything goes on them: the regional trains, the intercity trains, the freight trains. They all go yep. on those same lines. Right? There's one up, one down. That's it. And um, if you have a 30 mile an hour train chugging along a diesel, and you've got the souped up 125 behind it, the 125 has to wait for the diesel train to get out the way and this is what makes things so difficult so if they spent the money on getting the slow trains off the fast tracks and just leaving them for the trains that are all doing 125 miles an hour the trains could leave every 5 minutes and then you increase capacity exponentially yeah. like it yeah. would be insane and um, be a lot cheaper and better to run can, uh, anyway but they didn't they didn't do that they left it so late and now we're finding out that the government has over 1 Million pounds, uh, sorry, one million, <laughs> one million dollars, uh, a hundred million pounds that they're going to lose just on the land oh, that yeah. they bought up between Birmingham and Manchester for the leg of HS2. That's not going to go ahead. they compulsory purchased all that land. Now they're going to sell it off, cut price to their mates, and charge the tax effectively charge the taxpayer the remainder, which is going to be at least a hundred million pounds. Did you? And did it's just you, infuriating. Did you, did you read the Sunday Times
3: article on it as well? The scandal. Of why it costs so much yeah. yeah this got really there's loads of news stories that got bypassed this week like rishi sunak didn't go and visit the flood victims i mean they sent hmm. theresa coffee who was just a a robot and then
1: <laughs> in in terms of thing symbol- worse than that, worse than that.
3: <laughs> but yeah the hs2 scandal like it was horrific it was like it was i, I did a video on that and i compared it to weyland yutani from aliens and there were loads of comparisons you've got whistleblowers who are just being like ignored yeah you're just or being sacked or getting rid of or being bribed and committing fraud but essentially the original price that was quoted was that this whole project was going to be costed at 21 billion Mm. that's what the and and from what evaluators and analysts who worked inside the company stated was that this was a complete undervaluation and the reason the company, HS2 Limited, did this, this is the allegation, is so that the government would get on board with it, and then once they're on board, they can't get off, yeah. and yeah. so they've, they've got to flood in that cash. How do you yeah. go from 21 billion in 13 years, to, it, it, if it had been completed, Graham, it would have been up to 136, yeah. to 157.
0: Yeah, because and they're, they're just absolutely, ta- they're, they're comp- no, HS2 Limited, they're just absolutely taking the piss. But also, um, when we talk about Labour policy as well, people complain about Labour's lack of policies when, actually there are really good policies that they are hoping to bring in if they get elected, hopefully when they get elected. Uh, We do a show on, so I I run Labour social with Phil Morehouse, who does a different bias. And every Sunday at four o'clock, he puts out a a show called Labour Vision, and it just dissects one of Labour's policies and talks about it in depth. And uh, we, we get more views on our videos explaining Labour policy. Than the actual Labour <laughs> YouTube channel doing exactly you're the same thing with shadow ministers.
2: That, you're not suggesting that Labour have a problem with comms. No, no, ever. no, we're gonna talk about that. No, but what they have
0: said in the conference is they are gonna do an investigation, a an inquiry into HS two, which will be a, very interesting. And also they want to have an inquiry into COVID fraud. And I welcome those two things. That could those could end in some Tories going to jail.
3: Did they, did they, ah, oh, the horror. Um, did they talk, Have has anyone mentioned about the Russian interference? Because they, the guys who ran that said they said that it was required that, well, there's two things to it. That it's required that we need another investigation because no one's yes. looked. And yeah. then on top of that, uh, Caroline Lucas and a couple of other Lords from, yeah, from the House of Lords have said that they, they've taken it to the ECHR and they've yeah. said that actually it's breached our rights. Now, the last thing we heard or I could find was in February this year because the ECHR said to the government, you've got till the 26th of April to explain how this isn't a breach of human rights allowing interference and not stopping interference. And I'm not, not investigating, investigating it. Yeah. Have I mean, you not? Mm, interesting. Because if they do those three things, I think a lot of Conservatives are going to end up in jail. Little, yeah the rich,
1: well right i mean it,
0: tried for treason an inquiry can't put people in jail but mm. what can happen is uh the uh home secretary, will be yvette cooper she mm. can fund the national crime agency properly which hasn't been funded properly for years because tories don't want to be investigated and she can't tell them to go and investigate the tories and all of the corruption and all their de- double dealings and stuff but um, they, they they if they've got enough resources they will go after them and y- y- it's not just the ones that we know about like HS2 and, and um, the Covid fraud and the Russian meddling you've now got this situation where we have a prime minister who has a huge huge personal vested interest valued at over 700 million pounds in the UK-India trade deal, which is going to destroy British manufacturing, yep. because what do you think the deal is going to say? It's going to say, "Do you know what? If we make stuff in sweatshops, you're going to buy it um, <laughs> in, in India." And we'll go, "Okay, if we if we get slaves to make stuff in U- Uttar Pradesh, and you know we sell it in the UK, that's fine, isn't it? Because they're not allowed to do that in the EU, obviously. Or you know, they find out, they get fined." It's
2: also and, uh, he, probably... go on. Sorry, I was just going to touch on the visa situation of that trade deal as well. Like the whole thing about leaving the EU uh was immigration right that was the context that the referendum was uh was inserted into uh was like if we if we stay in the eu then turkey will join and you're gonna get x number of people coming over here taking our jobs all all that sort of stuff um the india trade deal which is being negotiated outside of the eu post brexit um includes an absolute shed load. (laughs) I'm really trying to watch my language here for you. Uh, Includes an absolute shed load of visas. So it's like we're already like the, the number of if you if immigration is a concern to you, which is not to me particularly, but I understand that it is to other people out there. If it is a concern to you and you voted Brexit to get the numbers down, immigration has never been higher than it is now post Brexit. And it will go higher once this India trade deal gets nailed down.
1: But I think what, what, this is going this is going to be a problem with well, a problem when Labour take over. So the Tories are going to leave a shit show behind. Um they'll leave an absolute disaster. I was gonna actually ask Graham, you know, he's he's within Labour circles. Um are there MPs who are like going, No, no, we don't want to be in power. This is just too terrible.
0: <laughs> uh no, but Probably. I think they understand the scale of the shit they are gonna to have to shovel for the next five years. Um the 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 been having to look at policies and go we have to be able to afford this so they've reduced how much they're going to be spending at first on their Green New Deal which they wanted to spend 27 billion a year on it, they're going to ramp up to that over a few years uh, there's quite a few things that they've had to scale back, not U-turn on, they still want to do it but they lo- they're they looking at the economy, Rachel Reeves is very on point on this, she knows what she's doing and yeah it, it it's going to be a huge problem for Labour because They'll get in. It's going to be shit for a number of years. People are going to blame Labour because they'll be like, why isn't it immediately awesome? And that could feed into the Tory narrative in the upcoming 2029 election to uh, say, well, they didn't they didn't fix things. So let us back in and we'll fix it. Remember the, the good, remember the good, good old uh,
1: days when uh, Rishi Sunak was in but, charge, or Liz Truss yeah, was in charge. Yeah, Liz Truss. Yeah, <laughs> Trussonomics. I, I, I want this record. Well, she's not going to come back. But in in 2029, people will look back and go, "Yeah, w- w- were there good times? You know, it's not now. No,
0: there weren't. There weren't. The, the 43 things that they said they were they had done over the last year and they want to do it next year, and every single one of them was bullshit. But yeah, Rishi Sunak has uh, his vast family. Sh- his vast family. Uh, wealth wow. comes from not just his, uh, you know, uh, hedge hedge fund managing during the uh, the credit crunch, where he made a lot of money out of people going bankrupt um, in the in this country. Um, but uh, no, it comes from Infosys, which is one of in, one of the world's biggest IT companies, which is owned by his wife's dad, and it's a huge conflict of interest, especially with this UK trade in uh, UK India trade deal coming up. And I I, I really worry about the state of things especially given our past performance on trade deals sorry to bore everyone talking about trade deals but mm. we've got a trade deal with australia that allows them to sell us tariff free 20 over twenty thousand tons of hormone injected beef every year and we can't even sell them a single beef steak not one do you
3: know do you know how that deal came about how they got was, it was it
0: Cocaine? No,
3: no, no. It was Boris Johnson. I uh, was. Like, it, like, uh, the... I was rice. What? With... <laughs> <laughs> Most likely, yes. It would explain quite a bit, actually. Yes, he, um, yes it does. Apparently, he was at, he was he sat down eating with with the Australian ambassador. I think it was at the time, as well as the uh, chief negotiator. And he started apologising for having joined the EU. This is according to the ambassador. But then yeah. he said, I wish there was something that we could do. And the ambassador jumped on it and said, why Why don't you allow us to sell our beef to you? As much as you he said, oh, yes, we could definitely do that. The ambassador then made a beeline to the toilet, got one of his assistants to write a draft deal, used 10 Downing Street's fax machine to send it over to Australia to get something formalized, sent back again. And then by the time he came back from the toilet... He had a document of, of informal but formal contract, and gave it to Boris just there, who signed it. And that, and then since that, our diplomats, our negotiators and our politicians have been having to backtrack on it because of Boris Johnson. And that's why we now have, I think we don't get, we don't get the full pelt of Australia for I think 10 or 15 years. Yeah. Because yeah. we've had to like say, oh, we're going to have to slow it down, but we can't stop it. Yeah. And you're just going, this is the state, even the Japanese deal. That was horrific. Yeah. Speaking of horror, if you could name or pick a Halloween movie to describe the current situation in British politics, (laughs) which one would you pick?
0: There's an absolutely horrific film that came out last year or the year before called Speak No Evil. And I think it's a Dutch film maybe, but it's about a, a Dutch couple and a Danish couple who meet on holiday with their kids. And the Dutch couple invite the Danish couple to come and stay with them in their house in the middle of the woods in in the Netherlands, or it might be Belgium, I can't remember. It's spooky anyway. And uh, basically, they are the worst hosts you could possibly imagine. They get drunk and drive home with the kid in the car. You know, they do everything wrong. And the whole movie, you're like, saying you're shouting at the telly, you know, get out, just get out. The the, the Danish couple, just get out, get your kid, get the hell out of there. Something is wrong. You know, there's loads of red flags. Get out of there. And yet, out of politeness, they stay in this horror show that's going on. (laughs) And eventually, I don't want to spoil it for anyone, so if you do want to watch it, please cover your ears. Eventually, at the end, they just kill them, okay? They kill the parents, and then they cut out the child's tongue, and then they adopt that child as their own. And then they go and find another couple to invite back to their place, right? Before they murder the couple, who they have basically terrorized and tortured for the sort of preceding 90 minutes of this movie they say he says that the, the guy is about to die and he's naked at the side of this quarry that he's going to be f- throwing stones at his face till he dies um he says why are you doing this to us and the evil psychopath man says because you let us and that mm. to me is just written right now why Deep, are we bro. putting up with this stuff Or oh, because you let us you let yeah. us get away with all this stuff and so we will. We'll be as psychopathic as we like. We will steal all this money. We will stop you ever dreaming of owning a home or having a family because we can. Because you let us. And I think that Brexit was the biggest green light for allowing the Tories to behave like
2: absolute bloody
0: barbarians.
2: That's my Halloween. Halloween good film.
0: <laughs> pretty good. That's you good? Oh
2: Deep. Speak no evil. Uh, a really messed up. I, I I don't know if I can equal that, but I was I was going to say uh, there's a. Um... A movie I saw on Netflix a couple of years ago called Midsummer. Oh yes, um, mm. I, I don't know if anyone's seen this. It's yep. like, so there's a, a group of young people and they go to to visit their friends, like pagan commune sort of cult, and they're very welcoming to begin with. And I sort of liken that to the maybe the David Cameron hugger hoodie kind of green husky years, like that was sort of welcoming them in. And then gradually, over the last thirteen years, things have descended into a total fucking murderous sociopathic bloodbath, just like that <laughs> movie. So, um, yeah, I don't think I was as eloquent as Gray. Go with Gray.
1: Gray is wonderful. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Midsummer is no. I think I think you
0: might with Midsummer as well. It's it, it's it's just a horror show. People yeah. are going into it with like you know the the best of expectations. That could be you know where they turn up at the beginning. That that could be our Olympics. We thought this is this is great. This is this is wonderful. This is yeah. some kind of utopia we're living in right now. And then it all starts going horribly, horribly wrong. I do feel like with the frog in the water, you know, the, the whole thing about the frog doesn't notice. Yeah, if you picked up someone from 2012 and dropped them in 2023 British person, they'll be like, what oh, yeah.
2: the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> that's half. That's half like the Project Fear stuff, isn't it? All the stuff in 2015, 2016 that everyone was saying like, don't, don't do this because this will happen or your yeah. life will be like this. Everyone was like, nah, 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 and then gradually, yeah. everything's just got so bad, Project, and everyone's yeah. like, yeah, that's yeah. What are you going to do?
3: But, but <laughs> a lot of the stats are backing that up as well. Yes, and a lot of yeah. the reactions are absolutely mad. Yeah. What was it? Tracer coffee. Her reaction to that poor woman that didn't have anything was. That's all right. You can get. We we set up an insurance scheme. It's like but how what?
1: Yeah. <laughs> and then you had. But also oh. Trace Coffee, If you look at the interview, she was like, I don't. I don't want to be here. Why do I have to yeah. be here? Why do I have to listen to these people? Yeah. So Please go inside
2: mind. to help yourself.
1: Okay, because Everybody open, else has. And no, and...
2: It's not a home anymore. It's just a shell of. Okay. Water and. So, what do you think? Yeah, I can imagine it's very. You're going to ask me what I think, please don't, because. No, no, right. I, I look, it's very upsetting, I know. I've no personal experience of the impact of this sort of level. When, when we were evacuated yeah. in the early hours of whatever morning yeah. we are on yeah. now, I don't know what date it is, we were told to go to the Leisure Centre and it was shut. Yeah. I sat for an hour and a half right. in a pub car park in dark because we didn't know where to yeah. go because everybody we contacted didn't help. Nobody replied. I phoned the police, they told me they couldn't do anything. I phoned the fire brigade, they couldn't do anything. They came, 10 minutes later, the police moved my car, reversed it into next door neighbour's car, and left that, then told us they could get us out. I had to get my 17 year old daughter out in her bare feet because they wouldn't help us get out of the house. I've come today. I know um, you are. Brendan invited me to come up, um, understanding the impact. Lucy, what did you make of her visit here? Just like you said, media. That's all it was. There was no no real reason for her to be here, just to show her face that she's been. That's it, really. I said on my yeah. podcast, it was like she was sort of act, like acting, you know, pretending that. But but a shit actor, you know, like stood there (laughs) pretending that she cares about this, but everyone's like, You don't care, you don't want to be here. You just pulled the short straw in the ministerial, you know, all right, who's gonna go up there? Come on. Like, so she has to stand there and say, I'm really sorry this is happening to you and then she just gets back in her ministerial car and comes back to London. Job done. There was also the
3: who's the minister who was on Sky and Kate Burley was interviewing her saying, Oh, we've got huge levels of poverty, like over 3 million. She was like, yeah, but we made jobs. Victoria right Atkins. And then the reaction, again, it was like a robot. It was actually almost similar to like those robots in Halloween 2. Mm. You know, the ones that just sort of walk around and so they don't have any emotional reaction or anything. She just sat there, like, eyes glazed. I wonder, I can't tell if, it, if it's down to the fact they've got no compassion or if they've just heard it so many times they've just given up caring.
2: I think they're just I, I they're, they're, think given sociopath. information by CCHQ and they're whipped to behave or respond in certain ways. So when you say there's more people like in, in work poverty now or universal credit is exploding because more people are on minimum wage, like gig economy jobs, but they still need that extra support. They've already been briefed the line to come back with and say, well, you know, we've generated more jobs in the last six months than Labour did last time. They were blah, blah, blah. But it's like you're, you're dealing with people who just deal with the line and slogans and campaigning they're not really interested in the substance of it like if you actually picked beneath the scab and you said look here's universal credit here's in work poverty here's the number of people using a food bank like let's have an actual transactional conversation about what that means for what the government are doing to society they wouldn't know where to start (laughs) they'd be like oh i don't like this
0: (laughs) people working and having to use a food bank i mean yeah. That's, that's wrong. That is wrong on every level. And the, the defense that oh, we've given people jobs. I mean, it's, it's not great, is it? We, obviously, yeah. those jobs are not paying enough. Why don't you sort that out?
3: 1984, isn't it? Yeah. It's like a classic 1984 thing. We'll just ignore it. Or you're against the system. Yeah. Or you're against us. That's what's causing the problem. Why don't you just be cheerful in the fact that you've got some money coming in? Max, what movie would you
1: pick? Uh, I was thinking about this Hostel so, Ooh, yes. so good one. where where you where you're lured into this false sense of security where everything is going to be wonderful and then it turns out to be a frigging nightmare uh and then w- you know you're about to escape <laughs> then you're then you're killed um so i hope that the uk will not be in that situation where it will eventually escape it won't be like hostile spoilers sorry too late now
2: um i mean it the, came out a few years ago they should have said it by now max
1: <laughs> it's like 10, 20 years ago now, I think. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's um that's that's Brexit. You know, people t- telling you it's gonna be wonderful, it's gonna be wonderful, and then it turns out to be an an absolute night. You get your you get your face cut off with a chainsaw or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you get the Brexit treatment. I'm Brexit gonna looks
1: and you Alex I'll, Star Wars.
3: I think we've got a bit of a Emperor Palpatine sort of scenario where we're being you know it was a bit like oh i'm going to we, we need to protect our democracy by getting rid of democracy you know <laughs> you've only got one elected chamber you can't elect your prime minister you can't elect the head of state you can't elect the supreme court you can't elect the house of lords but we got more democracy i think there was an amazing thing where people we like i think max you brought it up in the last episode where people were sort of showing how many crosses they get to put down in the next like few years and some of them have one cross or three crosses and that's going to be their level of democracy they get to put a cross in a box every 5 years and that's mm. it so, so for me emperor palpatine and just convincing the public that it's to their benefit that would be that would be my way out we're going to end thank you so much everyone thank
2: you thank you bye thank
3: bye. you
1: for another exciting story from the files of Police Squad.